Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. It's not fair. Do you ever think that? That because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they lost the image of God, so they didn't have the image of God to pass on to their children, and they begat children in their image. Their image now was sinful, unholy. It's not fair. I can't help but to sin because I got a sinful nature from them because they disobeyed? But if we're going to say it's not fair, then we also have to say it's not fair that one man, the God-man, takes the punishment for everyone's sin and offers free salvation, forgiveness, and, and total unity with God. And so today, as we celebrate the death of our Lord, and yes, it's a celebration because we know he's going to be victorious at the end. Our sermon theme uh, for today is Christ overcomes death for us by taking its blow for us. And our text is recorded in Matthew's gospel in chapter 27, verses 15 through 17 and 20 through 26. At the time of the festival, the governor had a custom to release to the crowd any one prisoner they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when they were assembled, Pilate said to them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus put to death. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they said. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, crucify him. But the governor said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting even louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing and that instead it was turning into a riot, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this righteous man's blood. It's your responsibility. And all the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now, before we launch into our sermon, God in his grace would not let his blood be on them and on their children in the way they meant his guilt. Instead, all who believe in him get Christ's blood and they are considered righteous. So as I've already mentioned, today's sermon theme is Christ overcomes death for us by taking its blow for us. And our text here shows us we have an innocent person taking the punishment for a guilty person. Mark chapter 15, verse 7, recording uh, Mark's uh, witness to this, or, or Mark's testimony to this account under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, There was one named Barabbas who was imprisoned with the rebels and had com committed murder in the rebellion. Now, the Bible makes it clear that if you're with rebels, you're rebelling against your government. Barabbas was guilty of that. Alone, And the Bible makes it clear that we're to submit to our government until it tells us to disobey God's law, God's word. And then the example of that is Daniel, who instead of praying to uh, the king as he was supposed to, he continued to pray to God. He didn't go off and plan an insurrection and a rebellion. He didn't try to overthrow his government. He just didn't obey that one particular order. But Barabbas... 
Barabbas was part of an insurrection. And in the process of trying to rebel, we're not told who it was, but he literally murdered someone. May have been a Jewish tax collector. May have been a Jewish official. I could be wrong, but I highly doubt it was a soldier because I doubt the other soldiers would have let him make it back alive to the prison under those circumstances and the way the Roman soldiers operated in those days. But it is made very clear. Pilate didn't kill this person in self-defense. I'm sorry, Pilate. Barabbas didn't kill this person in self-defense trying to protect his family. Oh, no. He murdered somebody while in the sin of trying to overthrow his government. And so we're told at verse 22 of our sermon text, Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, crucify him. But the, government sa but the governor said, why? What has he done wrong. Pilate does not see any law breaking in Jesus at all. So he's broke no government laws that Pilate can find. But they kept shouting even louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing and that instead it was turning into a riot, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this righteous man's blood. It's your responsibility. Interesting word Pilate uses for Jesus, this righteous man. A term that states not only has he done nothing worthy of capital punishment as in the death penalty by his government, a term that states he's never broke any rules against his government. In fact, Jesus is righteous, he's holy. He never broke any of God's rules. He is righteous, not just before the government's eyes, just he is the one person ever who was totally righteous. So we're told in verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Barabbas is guilty, guilty as all can be. And just in case we miss that, Mark chapter 15, verse 15 adds, since he wanted to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. After he had Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Pilate only goes along with this because he doesn't want a riot. He's just trying to calm the crowd down. But Pilate is just as guilty of Jesus' blood, and so are you and I. The, the thing here, though, is Barabbas was guilty. He was guilty as all can be. And yet he gets released, and Jesus takes his punishment for him, in his place. It should have been those two criminals that were on Jesus' right and left. It should have been Barabbas between them. Of course, you and I wouldn't be saved then. Instead, Barabbas walks away and Jesus takes his place. And nothing against Barabbas, but in a way that's a very beautiful picture of what happens with you and I. Because you and I are guilty, guilty as all can be of our sin. We aren't righteous, we're unholy. Not many people think of sin as murdering. And I have met Christians who, some of them were murderers and became Christians. And I've no doubt they're in heaven now. But you and I maybe haven't committed murder. And maybe you and I haven't done some of the awful things like Hitler has done but we're still unholy. 
Every day our thoughts alone convict us of sin because we think sinful things. And Jesus took our place. Jesus went, and it's not just the cross and the death he suffered, where we really see Jesus taking the punishment you and I deserve, the innocent for the guilty, is when he cries out on that cross, Elioi, Elioi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because hell is truly being abandoned by God. No one in this life knows what it's like to be abandoned by God. Even the most vehement God-hating atheist does not know in this life what it's like to be abandoned by God. And when we come to faith in Jesus, we never will. Those who die without faith in Jesus have rejected Christ taking the punishment in their place. He's already done it. It happened 2,000 years ago. And so there's an amazing thing there. Christ overcomes death for us by taking its blow for us, the innocent for the guilty. And Christ did that voluntarily for you and I. Now, I've always wondered the origins of the term scot-free. We often hear about somebody getting off scot-free from their crime and everything. It was actually a Scandinavian word that I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce that found its way over to England, but it, it really meant not having to pay taxes or penalties. Now, in many, in, in many ways today, we use that term, and that's what happens to Barabbas. Barabbas walks away scot-free. He never has to take any punishment for murder and rebellion. Jesus gets flogged in his place. Jesus dies the death that Barabbas should have had, and Barabbas walks away scot-free. He literally is a free man. He doesn't even have to pay any penalties, any, any burdens for what he had done. We're told in verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them. Now, we never know what happened to Barabbas after this. Wouldn't it truly be a sad thing if he remained an unbeliever? I'm sure Barabbas went, that was a close call, and I get to go scot-free, Woohoo! And we won't know until we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, if we see Barabbas, then we will know that he was thankful for what happened and connected the dots and trusted in Jesus as his Savior. But the truth of the matter is, just as Barabbas, at least as far as the government was concerned, and the punishment for his crime, walked away scot-free because the innocent one, Jesus Christ, took the place for the guilty, the same happens for you and I. See, you and I deserve hell, but we walk away scot-free. Now, it's really sad that so many different uh, religions can't accept that. There's no such thing as a free lunch in this life. So they always think there's something you have to do in order to get salvation. Now, as an example, if you look in the Quran and you read the Quran, it boils down to when you die and you appear before the God of the Quran, you have to have one more good deed on your scale than bad deeds. So it's balancing scales. Here's the really scary thing. You don't know until you die and appear before the God of the Quran. You won't know then if you have more good deeds than bad deeds. One more to balance that scale. That's not a comforting way to look at death, is it? In fact, I began this sermon, is it fair 
that Adam, because of Adam and Eve, I'm, I would be destined to hell. And I say then, we have to say it's not fair then that God offers the whole world salvation and we can all go to heaven. Many years ago, I, I have a friend who was a teacher at one of our uh, parochial schools in our synod and they had done an exchange program and they had a student there who believed in the Quran. And, and my friend intentionally that day was teaching what we call God's great exchange, exactly what we've covered with Barabbas. Jesus, the innocent, takes the place of the guilty. He takes the punishment for us. And so we walk away scot-free. And that student asked a few questions and turned around and said, that's not fair. But you know what? That student was right. But if God's going to be fair, let's admit it, then we all go to hell. That's what is fair. What's not fair is God's grace. And it's so when you hear, for example, when Martin Luther stood up to the cell of indulgences, the whole idea behind indulgences was that there were uh, monks and nuns who could do more good uh, than they had done bad. In fact, they could do so much good that they had good deeds to give to others. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you have to be 100% perfectly holy 100% of the time, and we're not. So in something that's tremendously unfair, we walk away scot-free because God became a man and he did all the work for us. That's also why we want to be very careful when we hear things like, you have to make a decision for Christ. Suddenly that becomes a work that you have to do. That becomes a good deed you have to do in order to be saved. And it makes the free gift not scot-free. It makes an obligation, something that you earn. But is there an obligation? The Bible does demand faith. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, you can walk away scot-free, but you have to believe that Jesus is the God-man. You have to believe, not that he did 99% and you do 1% or any other degree. You have to believe that Jesus did all the work, that the work for your salvation is finished. But how do you get that faith? It's not that you reach deep down in yourself and you find the power if you try hard enough. No, not at all. Those same words spoken to Nicodemus that were John 3.16 in several verses earlier in John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So it goes that God sent somebody to you that you would hear the good news of salvation in Christ and the Holy Spirit then gave birth to a new person in you. And that new person is what survives the grave. That new person is alive in Christ, literally united to Christ, as stated in John chapter 15. And that person, that new person, believes. It's what he's built to do. And so, yes, God even provides the faith for us. He even does all the work there. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, we gather today to celebrate the funeral of our Lord. It's my sins, it's your sins that put him on the cross. But he took those for us so that we may be God's children. Christ overcomes death for us by taking its blow. The innocent for the guilty. And because of that, we walk away scot-free, redeemed children of God. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen.